All right, here we are. Welcome back to Breaking Changes. And I've got another one of my, uh, my good friends here as a guest. Um, today I've got the head honcho, uh, the, the big D in charge of every developer. Um, also uh, from, from his past, former uh, programmable web uh, API guru person, um, Adam Duvander joining me on the show. Welcome, sir. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Ken. Uh, um, it's I've been doing. You know, I, I have to admit, I started breaking changes kind of on my Rolodex. Get all my friends to come, all the people I'm super comfortable talking with, and try to you know use that as a, as a runway to uh, to making this show happen. So I appreciate your support, sir. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, you're. You worked previously for Programmable Web. Um, you worked for several other companies along the way, uh, and but now you're you're running every developer, which is uh, independent, helping folks um, kind of make sense of the the. I don't want to say developer marketing space because developer <laughs> marketing doesn't exist, which we, we'll probably get to at some point here, but. Um, why, why are organizations needing every developer? What skills do you bring to the table that makes it, makes it something that, that uh, companies are looking for? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I've seen both sides. At Programmable Web, I was trying to make sense of the APIs that people were producing and the API products that people were producing. And uh, I've told the story about sort of having to having to dig within those press releases to figure out why the heck it mattered and how uh, I felt like uh, that should be the story that they're telling themselves. And then I went on the provider side and I saw, okay, like there's, there's other things that you have to, to deal with. Yes, it's important to be able to do that, but there's a lot that's going on. And so I, I gained maybe some empathy that I didn't have uh, <laughs> when I was at Programmable Web for, uh, for what it's like to, uh, to be building these products uh, within a larger vision and a larger company. Um, and so I uh, also got to, to do some of those kind of announcements and things at places like SendGrid and Zapier. And, uh, and I hope did, uh, did, did justice to the, uh, the sort of sharing what, actually matters about that. And, uh, and then I, I recognize that there's uh, a need that's, that's greater than any one company for being able to help tell those stories of why this technical, uh, technical stuff matters and help reach that audience that, um, that is sometimes skeptical of the messages that are oftentimes skeptical of the messages that are coming to them. Um, and so that's what, that's what we at every developer help companies do is understand what are those, those problems that they solve that developers care about and how can, how can you tell that story in, um, in a way that attracts those developers and, and makes them feel like, like that's an authentic message that's, that's coming to them because it should be when done right. Yeah, and you, I think your style always, for me, reflects that balance, that, that, that nice balance, because it ain't easy selling to developers or talk, even talking to developers, not even getting to a point where you're selling, like supporting and, and getting them interested in what you're doing. So you've always managed to find that balance. I think that that's that, that sweet spot. So, but as far as your agency doing it, um, What's different? What's what's different than if if I just built this in house? So I got my my company. I can I could build this. I could hire folks to come in and, and do yeah. some of what you're talking about. What's different? And uh, a lot of the clients we work with do have teams that do this, um, and I think that is important to have some uh, some internal skills in these areas for sure. Uh, but oftentimes we're brought in as that outside. Uh, that outside uh, eye to be able to see it with fresh eyes. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, you know, and I know from being on the inside, it can be hard when, uh, when you're kind of blinded by the larger, uh, the larger picture of where things are going. And it's sometimes difficult to see it from that, 
developer perspective, which is so important to actually be able to do is to see it from the eyes of someone who will, who you want to attract, because you want to make sure that, um, that the message that you have is resonating with them. And so, uh, so I think that an outside perspective is probably the biggest thing. And then another would be that there's not always the, the, uh, the internal sort of muscle memory for this type of communication. And so being able to, to come in, uh, help, help someone see the way that people see them, developers see them, and then be able to say, okay, you can, you can do this. You have the, the capacity to be able to, to approach developers in this way that will, um, yeah, that will, that will have them coming toward you, not running from you. So, uh, and yes, but, but they're just, they're just developers. Can we just throw some documentation over the wall and they'll be happy? I, uh, you know, no, but also oftentimes that documentation isn't what, isn't what they want. Anyway, you throw it over and they go, nope, not this. And they throw it back at you. Right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's only one of the of many types of content that you should be thinking about is uh, is whether those docs are are the case. And many times, what the most common mistake is the docs just say black and white. This is what it does, which kind of goes back to that storytelling from the top that I <laughs> that I was mentioning, which is if if it's just black and white, just the facts, uh, you know dragnet uh documentation that's a it's an old school old school reference for yeah. you we're in the hat so you're dating yourself there so you're dating yourself. <laughs> uh if it's just that sort of uh black and white docs then that leaves the developer to tell themselves the story of what this does they look through and they look at the endpoints and there are times when they want that but i mean the more if you want them to get to a realization of how this will help them then then you need to be able to put that in there. And so to me, documentation is, goes well beyond that. Here's what's possible. You know, here's, here's what you can do, but actually, yeah, that larger picture, the what's possible, the imagine this, um, contextualizing it in, in use cases and problems that uh, developers are bumping into every day. They kind of developers kind of seem like a needy bunch. They're kind of picky about what 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 gets thrown at them. Why is that? Yeah, I don't. I I'm not sure that I agree that they're needy. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I I am. I'm a developer, you, you, needy, <laughs> and you're needy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, I was told I wasn't talking about anybody else. I was just talking about <laughs> me there. But yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, I think that that the uh, how why developers sometimes come across that way is that it's kind of their it's their job to be skeptical like that's that's like you need to be able to look for edge cases and catches in code and that's how that's how you do your job and so then why shouldn't they maintain that same outlook when uh, when they're out looking for potential products for their company to consume. I mean, they need to continue to look for, for those edge cases in, in the products that they're thinking about. And, uh, and I think that for sure comes down to if they're getting a bunch of stuff kind of promoted at them, that's going to, like, they've seen that before. That's going to, you know, raise the, raise the hairs and, and make them say, okay, where, where's the catch on this? Uh, and I think that, that's the case. Uh, I mean, ev everyone looks for the catch in, in marketing, but I think it's especially apparent uh, with developers and can especially happen when the messages are coming uh, sometimes from someone who doesn't understand the technology behind it. And that can often, if it doesn't hit the mark, then that's going to gonna raise some flags in the dev's mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I backtrack on that where we're needy or special or picky in any particular way. I would say we're not any more needy than any other kind of target group that you're marketing or, or trying to reach with your business message. We just, uh, 
don't know. I just, we just, certain types of stories, certain types of things interest us. And I think back to, you know, the kind of the heyday of, of, I guess, Web 2.0, you know, like, I mean, it's the early days of Read Write Web and TechCrunch yeah. and then Programmable Web came out, you know, like, what are the types of stories that catch, catch my attention in my eye? And there was like Programmable Web spoke a certain language to me. I mean, it was just, it stood out. Uh, amongst the crowd. So what was it like um, in those early days working at Programmable Web? I mean, when you first started, well, give us a taste. Yeah, yeah. So, I I mean, it was uh, much smaller than I think it is now. Uh, You know, it was primarily uh, me and and John Musser and uh, one engineer uh, and uh, a few other freelance writers uh, in the, in the earliest days. And, um, you know, I, I wrote for oh, a year and a half before joining as, as the editor. Um, and when I did that, I joined full time and I, I was writing a book on mapping APIs at that time, uh, when we were introduced and, uh, and yeah, and it was, I mean, I don't know, had to have been below 2000 APIs in the directory at, uh, at that uh, at that time, uh, but there was still always something something new, you know. Um, maybe not daily, but uh, but you know there was always new APIs to look at, and it was a I mean it was a time where a, a lot more like the so I mentioned mapping APIs. So Google Maps was sort of one of the ones that kind of showed the way of of how to be. And so a lot of APIs were just wide open and there wasn't as much connection to a business strategy that uh, certainly not payment for, for API. I mean, Google maps was, uh, was free for a long time before they started charging for it. Uh, And even still, I mean, most, most developers can use Google maps for free forever. I mean, you really have to be at significant usage. Um, and so it was really a, a time of kind of exploration and, uh, and possibility that in some ways I, I long for. I really like that uh, <laughs> the, the looking at what's possible, you know, connecting things together. Um, I, I mean, the, that really was the, the founding of Programmable Web was, was John looking for things to be able to connect together and kind of wondering to himself, you know, could I, could I look at listings on eBay and listings on Amazon, uh, uh, Amazon auctions and, and use APIs to cross post and, you know, somehow work some arbitrage magic in there, those sorts of things. And he went around and said, I don't, I don't see any place to actually find all of these APIs and that, that was really, uh, you know, how it was how it was founded. So, in that kind of world of exploration, that in some ways exists in a in a much larger way now, just a different way with all of the API as product tools that we see now. Um, and and the best part, of course, you and I have uh, integrated with a few APIs in our time that uh, went away. I'm going to say. Uh, so, uh, you know, at least there's now a business model behind these that can, can keep, uh, as we, as we make exciting things, uh, you know, can keep them, uh, keep them afloat, right. Keep our own projects afloat, yeah. let alone the companies that provide those APIs. Yeah. So that's the, I mean, that's the, the mo- yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, you know, I was the, the the business model sometimes it was painful, but now I would say we're 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 in a much we're not quite a totally mature grown up sector. We're still kind of in our infancy, but I, don't, I think those early days we were kind of naive about oh this is free, this is great, like and this scales like I can load up as many images or whatever I want into these and and so yeah I think we we've, we've kind of grown up in our approach, but. My RSS feed for Programmable Web, you know, the blog posts and the new APIs, that's what really caught my attention, you know, yeah. on a regular basis. So just a steady drip that kept me coming back and reading 
until I eventually came and wrote for programmable yeah. web too. I did for a short period of time. Um, but we've kind of come a long ways and we, I would say we've, uh, I have a steady drip of kind of content types that I put out there that I know, you know, I mean, sure. I, I'm always looking for that next creative thing. Like, you know, here's a new API, the new API feed for programmable web was definitely very, um, eye-catching and caught and caught my interest as a developer but reading blog posts with titles with descriptions that that speak to me are still the, the most valued currency in my world like a quick story that that helps me learn about something new solve a problem do something that's though that's a cornerstone and then i would say other form, some longer form content and, and workshops or, you know, and, and kind of training stuff is always like, I like little nuggets that, that teach me something. So what, what are kind of the core content types that you, you know, you, you advise your customers and clients and, and you help yeah. them with when it comes to this, this outreach? Yeah, you've, uh, you've hit on some of them already there. And really going back to the time when you were listening and try and hearing those sort of headlines of what's possible with APIs, uh, you know, that's a, a piece, like as much as I long for that time of, of lots of possibility that also had its own issues when you, that was what led to some of those press releases that didn't actually say what was possible because Everyone thought, oh, the way you do this is you just open this API, you know, and then then magic happens, right? And so so some some of that content that is able to frame what that means. So the, you know, the I mean the classic piece, of course, would be an announcement, uh, an announcement post, but that announcement post should really be framed around why it even matters and what are the problems that it solves. And so really that is as much as that's one announcement post, it's actually many potential articles that dig into the actual use cases. And so what are the things that you want someone to do? And we would have providers tell us, oh, we don't want to, you know, hold back anyone's creativity. They can do anything with this. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe, but let's, let's, let's list a few anyway. Right. Like, let's, yeah. And so I think, uh, and I think within there, I mean, certainly blog posts that dig into particular use cases, but then you can have sample apps that are, that are built that speak to that use case tutorials around each use case. So those being other types of content, I mean, a sample app is really more code than content though for a, a sample app to be most useful, I think it has to have kind of a tutorial alongside it, have have a, a code repo that is easy to copy. You know those sorts of uh, those sorts of things that make it clear what the next step is that a developer could take with it. Um, other types of content, uh, so kind of going longer form. Uh, I really like. I call it guide content, but. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of taking the developer's problem to the to the furthest edge that you can. So understanding they you want them to find you because they have a particular problem that yes you solve, but you kind of have to if you put up that hey we solved that too quickly that's seen as as promotion. So how far down that line can you walk with the developer? to show them that they know about your topic really well. And uh, I, I wrote a post for heavy bit uh, that is called the developer content mind trick. That's uh, that talks about this. And it's a big part of the guides chapter in the book, uh, which you, you mentioned briefly, the developer marketing does not exist. Um, and the idea there is that you want to, if they, if they want to, to build the thing that you <laughs> you've already built, okay, let's walk them through. Let's show them what that really takes. And um, I mean, when I was at SendGrid, the most popular um, guide we had, which the, the guides at that time were were PDFs, which I would, for the most part, caution against. Uh, but 
uh, was a deliverability guide that walked someone through. Here's all the things that you have to think about if you want to have email that gets consistently delivered to uh, to people's inboxes. And uh, some people might read through that and say, awesome, I have my checklist now. And as a developer, I... I want to build because that's the, that's like the natural feeling that a developer has anyway. But if you can help them see some of those edge cases that they maybe wouldn't have seen without, without kind of walking through it, then some amount of them are going to say, you've provided me a great checklist. I'm going to go off and, <laughs> and build this now. But a good amount of them are going to feel, uh, feel like you really know what you're talking about. And You've clearly found these edge cases and guess what? You happen to have a product that does the thing that we need to do. And so that at least will get you to the stage where they check out what you have. Now you, you still have to have a great product and great documentation and all those other things that you're going to need to convince them. Uh, but uh, that type of content does a really good job of being able to to attract those developers and gain some trust with them, which is really a big part of what you need to do. And content can do so well when, you know, yes, you have this one big piece, but you can uh, include within, within that additional blog posts that talk about one particular piece of that, that then, then can link back and to that guide as a, uh, as the sort of next step. So you can, can put out these these feelers of of content, smaller content that picks it one particular use case or one uh, one particular area, and then can can attract them in and and point them to something where they can learn more. And so that's and that's really like if you can spark a, a developer's curiosity and desire to learn, then you're a long way toward actually being able to uh, convert them in, uh, in marketer speak. Yeah. I mean, I could see, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw out lots of little things and see what works, what catches people's attention, kind of what lures are going to work fishing, you know, to really keep, keep them well onboard them, activate them and kind of move them forward in their awareness. But as you said, also trust, I think that's a critical one, but you and I have suffered from the same, uh, kind of syndrome doing this for so long. Where do you find inspiration to write all of these little nuggets? I mean, I, I've met several teams that, that do very well for like a three to four month period. And they're like, we we're telling stories we're we're helping people, but then they hit a, hit a dry period. Where can you find inspiration? Yeah. I, I think you can, you can go back to see what has resonated and what has, what has worked. And there are, there are always more stories within stories to be uh, to be found uh, when you have some some areas of where you've seen a spark, and so looking there, I mean, talking to developers and 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 understanding. I know, sh- shocker, talking and understanding talking to developers <laughs> and understanding what's uh, you know what issues they're bumping into right then. And I mean, you can, you can find places online so that you can only read what they have to say, go on Twitter and, uh, and, and listen to developers. You don't have to talk to them if you, <laughs> if you don't want to, but, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, and really continually be looking. I mean, it really is kind of a, a journalistic practice that sort of, uh, ongoing, part of uh of finding those stories and seeing those stories that are already there and uh so, and telling them so i mean it sounds like you need on your team every developer but also within some of these companies you need curious people who are gonna scratch at these and try to understand so are these developers who write these stories do you hire developers to write these or who is it that writes these yeah yeah it's it's a good question i i think that probably some developer background is is necessary to be able to tease out um tease out some of these stories 
it's it doesn't have to be uh, it doesn't have to be a, a you know a senior engineer sort of uh, sort of level, but but being able to at least have the empathy with the things a developer goes through in their work and having having been one who who wrote some of that code and struggled some of those struggles. I mean, when I was at SendGrid, I, uh, I used to joke that I invented SendGrid because I had bumped into that exact problem of email deliverability as a developer at a company that just wanted to send out some email to someone who just signed up, right? And, and it had hit spam. So, I mean, being able to have that background that's, um, that has experienced at least some of those developer pains goes a long way. Maybe that's maybe the right person who, uh, who has sort of a journalistic background can, um, can get at that via a lot of conversations with developers. But uh, yeah, in my experience, some, some developer background helps a heck of a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you gotta at least be curious enough to hack and and poke at and yeah, reverse engineer and, and want to know what's going on. You may not have to, you know, have all of the the formal training and, and things, but you gotta be curious and want to and want to yeah. dig and scratch and get in there. So these uh, is this some is this a skill set that people just show up and you hire and they have, or is it something that that you can cultivate over time? Because I come across a lot of organizations who don't really haven't had any luck hiring to, to find these types of people and they, but they've got some people that are, that are interested in internally. Can you cultivate this? Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, uh, that if you have, and this is one of the roles that, that we play is being able to point out some of those, um, some of those angles that once you have, have that sort of like, Oh, this seems like a, topic, which is a hard, like, that's the, the thing that might take the years that you and I have experienced of like, oh, this, this kind of seems like there's a story here, right? That sort of, uh, that sort of taste is, uh, is a tough one to, to, to hire for and to, to find, right? But, uh, but if you're able to have some way to be able to find those little sparks, then I think, you can, the rest can be taught from, uh, and I think that, that the other can be taught too. It just maybe takes time. Right. But, um, yeah, so the, the actual investigation and, uh, and, and writing and, and piecing together the, the story, I think that that's, uh, that certainly can be, can be taught. Um, as for, you know, what to, what to look for internally. Um, I mean, I think you pointed out the, the curiosity in, uh, in the book, I go into uh, the, your developer marketing organization and kind of look at, at a mixture of the writing and kind of analytics and various, various things that you might not find. Like it's rare that you're going to find these, whatever they are, eight or 10 things in one individual and certainly not at, at uh, you know, it won't be, they won't be top in all of these skills, but uh, some kind of balance of these um, that then you're able to put together a complementary team. And um, I think that's, that one of the areas, so at SendGrid that we did well was, uh, was to be able to leverage some of the developer relations approach. So these were developers who were many times out meeting the developers who used SendGrid and how can we take those insights and scale what they would have been saying from, you know, one person to uh, an evangelist to one developer or even a room of, I don't know, 50, 100, like 300, but how can you take that and scale that even further with content to be able to uh, enable them to produce the content. And I have seen a number of organizations struggle with that, 
where you have a marketing team that that really wants to be able to hit their numbers, which might not be aligned with developer relations numbers. But if you can take this approach that we've talked about of of really starting with what developers want, what they're looking for already. And if you can find a place where that meets both the marketing need and the developer relations need, I think that that can be a really good way to find them, like to look there uh, if you have that in your organization before looking like sometimes I'll see companies look to get engineers to write and um, if you have someone who has some of those, <laughs> some of those uh, non-engineer skills that make that a really uh, a natural fit for them, then that's great. But a lot of times, uh, a lot of times they don't. And so they need uh, an editor to pair with them uh, or, uh, or really uh, a ghostwriter in some cases, because uh, another thing that engineers need to do is to to make sure that what they write is rock solid from a like when they write code it has to be rock solid they tend to take the same approach with what they write in content um, which leads to over polishing and uh, and often you know how long did that take you oh I mean it was not the whole week, most of the week. And you go a week of engineering time. Like, right. I mean, that's uh, yeah, it's, it's not something that uh, can be, can be sustained across an organization typically. Yeah. I mean, you touched on, I was going to dive into like, how do you, you know, how do organizations know how to scale this? You know, is it hiring more, more writers? Is it, is it bringing engineers out of the team like that? But you really talked about, I would say, a grounding aspect of like if you're out there talking to your developers in the communities they're on virtually and in the before times and hopefully soon mm-hmm. we'll be going out to actual events and meetups again. Um, and you have your finger on that pulse. You you tend to have a, a better idea of what you need to scale and where you need to scale. And I would say that's another source you could pull from is the talent in your community um, I mean, use it as a feedback yeah. loop to grab stories, but then also look for those, the talent acquisition people you can hire yeah. or bring on, you know, or make champions or some sort of community managers yeah. and see and, and use that to kind of ground your, but are there any other ways? I mean, when it comes to scaling, I mean, I'm, how, what, what sort of advice do you have for a team? Like, how do we scale? What are the areas that we scale should scale first? So another area that that's that I think sometimes gets overlooked is is whether the content you're producing is strategic, whether it's even even a connection. Mm-hmm. Often, often uh, you get to scaling before you actually think about what you're scaling, and so you could produce a ton of content, but if you so if, it, if there were for every 10, you actually wrote one that was connected to what you clearly know developers care about, not just, you know, the one person that got a bug to, to follow a particular topic, but you know that you hear, hear about it consistently. Uh, you can do some quick searches. I mean, I'm not no SEO expert, but looking to see whether... <laughs> whether other people search for this thing, what do they, and how do they refer to it when they search for it, right? To make sure that the things you are covering uh, connect with, uh, with, again, how developers are actually thinking about the problem set that you, that you approach. So really, sometimes that scale can actually mean scaling down, but <laughs> scaling down on number of, on the amount of content, but really, uh, making sure that it has the best possible chance. And there's obviously a balance there because you need to, you could spend all year on one magical piece of content that <laughs> might not hit the wall when you fling it, uh, maybe because it was based on something that developers cared about nine months ago, right? But so you do have to have sort of some consistent drumbeat to be able to 
to get the feel there, but making sure that the, the shots that you are taking there are, uh, that you have some reason to believe that, that that will connect. And sometimes that can mean real data. And sometimes that can mean, uh, that sort of taste that you and I talked about that I sure wish, uh, I had a better way to be able to communicate to people. Yeah. I mean, so it's not enough to connect that I get top page of Hacker News for one post. I, it's got to be deeper than that. I, I think so, because that that one that one can bring a lot of traffic for sure for that day. Um, and maybe that tra- translates to something. But, you know, it's I'll say in my experience, it's been much more fulfilling to have written things that get a few hundred developers every month checking it out versus the, you know, 10,000 or whatever it is on that one day, the, uh, that sort of consistent, um, consistent attention, uh, and knowing that, that you've solved a problem there. And that, uh, I mean, you start to, you start to get people, uh, writing in about it and, and, and tweeting and really seeing that you're, you're actually solving a problem there. And that's, uh, that's the stuff that's, that's hugely fulfilling. That's, uh, um, yeah, that, that sort of big spike from hacker news can, can feel good, but it's, you know, it's the, uh, there's a sugar crash that, that comes after that. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta reach, I think reach folks at a more meaningful level and, and see it as part of your feedback loop. You said you yeah, got to see yeah. that there people are searching for things that you're making that connection. It's not just page views. And I would say that dovetails with your wider strategy because you got a keyword strategy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're thinking of, you're, you're looking at the searches, you're thinking about how developers are searching. And then hopefully as part of that feedback loop, you, you're engaging with them and kind of reinforcing what your assumptions are. You're not just relying on your dashboards your Google analytics or your API management analytics, your, the, those feedback loops are actually reinforcing yeah. what's, what's sticking against the wall and what's not. So, I mean, so when it comes to using the products, like, you know, we talked about them being developers or not being developers who write this content and produce mm-hmm. this. And you mentioned DevRel. So, do you, do you have to really be intimate with the product? I mean, I, I know there's a lot of marketing folks who don't use the technical. So how do you how do you balance that and get get marketing folks? I mean, okay, I, I guess I lead, led that one a little bit, but like, I feel like this storytelling should be a, a, this. If you're going to reach the strategy level, you're going to have yeah. more than just dev realm people. You're going to have marketing. You're going to have business folks yeah. involved, and so. How do you how do you kind of reconcile that when it comes when it comes to that storytelling? You you've got to you got to have all those people at the table, but how yeah. do you make it so that you know? So you play your your book title, developer marketing does not exist. You play on this, I would say this kind of you know marketers just you know want to market and market to developers. So how do you how do you balance this across uh, across building a team and organizing it? Yeah yeah and. And I'll point out, I, I never said that developer marketers don't exist. So, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so there, no, no. And you, you got it right. But there, so there's still, yeah, we have yeah. to reconcile that, right? Like yeah, no, developer no, marketing agree. doesn't exist, but there are developer marketers. Then, uh, then what does that, what does that person do? And, uh, and so that what I go into in the book is this, this philosophy that, does start with understanding that developer's place and what they're and what they want and what they're looking for and being able to educate them and inspire them to uh, to to go through the journey that does hopefully include your product at some point. But if you put that too much in the beginning, then you're going to they're going to many of them are going to walk away, right? Because you want to be able to tell a story that makes sense for why why your product fits in there. And so, when you ask what what they can do, I think it comes back to some a consistent problem with uh, with developer content is uh, 
lacking any point of view. And, um, and so sure the, you know, yeah, sometimes it has full of features instead of benefits, but really at the heart of that is every company is founded with an opinion and it's okay to share that opinion. In fact, your content should share that opinion. And so I think someone doesn't have to be a user of the products, like a deep power user to understand why that product exists and, um, and those, that point of view and that opinion that the company was founded on. And, um, and that's, I, I hope that dev focused companies, including some of the ones who are listening to this now, uh, can think about that as early on as possible because it is there and the, and the founders know it, but it's sort of implicit probably in their minds. Right. And so being able to share that as part of your company story, both internally and externally to, to make sure that, uh, and content that doesn't have a point of view is often boring also. So it's, <laughs> this is a way to also make it attract the right developers. If, uh, if someone agrees with your point of view, they'll be attracted. You know, they probably will be attracted if they disagree also. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, to be determined whether they stick around after they've, <laughs> after they've heard you out on your uh your point of view, but, um, you know, I, I think really trying to understand that would be the, uh, if there was a developer marketer on day one of a, of a dev focused company, that would be the important thing to figure out. Ask why do, why do we exist and ask that until you get an answer that makes sense. I think that's for me, that's the, Developers are pretty blunt for the most part uh, with their their critique, and you should be able to listen to that as a business, as a founder, as a co-founder, um, business leader. You should be able to at least understand why it's not solving. You know, you don't have to understand the technical details of why it, it fell short, but understand the you know why there was a miss there. And it feels like you're saying you know your product roadmap, your marketing. And 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 your your developer relations there ha- at least has to be an alignment in that feedback loop mm-hmm. has to cover all of that. Otherwise, your your product's way over here, developers are way over here, and no amount ma- amount of content's going to close that gap, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting game, and I think that uh, for me that bridges the classic divide that we've all heard between business and IT. And storytelling is kind of how you you heal and you you bring those into alignment. And it's that perpetual storytelling that I think keeps you from going too far, you know, because you can go too technical too, you know, sure. and, yeah. and build the best tech. I've seen, you know, the best APIs get delivered and no one cares. And they were rest level four, you know, they were, <laughs> it was like dialed in, you know, and no one cared you know, because it didn't have a business strategy. It didn't yeah. have any, you know, any of those things. So um, now I got off track of my, my, my list of questions, but I knew that would happen with you, sir. And, and that's what I like. Um, so as we're, we're heading back, I feel like, so in California where it feels weird, but like we open, we're open for business as of today. What, yeah. What's it like in Oregon right now? It's getting there. Yeah. Yeah, I had had coffee without a mask uh, with a friend today. So that's, I mean, it's it's a new world. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting there, um, and I'm I'm feeling like we're gonna go back to meetups and we're gonna go back to events. Do you have any recommendations as far? I mean, not just COVID, but just in general. Like, what's the balance? How do you know um, whether your team should be going to meetups and events and being on the road and and how much time do you spend just back writing good content? Do you have any good advice for folks? Well, I mean, you mentioned how you get ideas and I mean, a, a good conference trip is always, always sparks multiple ideas for me. So that's, uh, 
that's definitely both from a talking to developers, uh, but also kind of sharing knowledge with, uh, with colleagues at other companies also. All of that happens at those events. So uh, I'm not sure how to say how many uh, to, uh, to attend, but uh, I mean, certainly I think we'll see DevRel returning there. Um, I, I think if you're a developer marketer in, in an organization that has DevRel or anyone who's kind of developer facing like that, it's, it's worth, you know, uh, once a quarter or twice a year tagging along and seeing what that's like, because guarantee you will, you will learn something there. Uh, and then we'll also see a lot of, uh, a lot of marketing going back to events as, as a, a way to reach developers. And um, this same philosophy that I've talked about can be used in person also. And, uh, and in fact, in some ways is easier because it's, I mean, it's hard to fully promote something when you have another human in front of you who's giving you all the signs that they don't want to hear more about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, it's a way to be able to see what is, what's hitting the mark, right. With the, uh, with the way that you talk about things. Um, uh, but it's also, if you can look for ways to be able to educate and inspire at events as well, you'll, you'll get many more people coming to your booth out of curiosity than, um, than out of sort of answering your, your bullhorn calls or <laughs> offering candy. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would yeah. say, you know, over the years, like I think there's 5,000 blog posts on API evangelists that I, I've written. And I would say about 60% are written either on the road or just after, because mm -hmm. I come back with that head full of yeah. goodness, you know, and sitting down with, you know, I'm, I'm just rattling off the places I know that I've sat down with you in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Amsterdam, you know, like all around the world, the places I've mm -hmm. sat with you and, and had conversations with you, but other folks like you, um, and then coming home and being able to write. So it's always that balance because I've, I would say I hit dry periods at home where I'm not traveling yeah. and I, I can synthesize stuff online and kind of read, but there's nothing like that face-to-face -face feedback that you get from folks and, and hearing yeah. what they face that yep. makes a difference. So I'm kind of eager to get back, but I'm also, I'm a little nervous too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, it's a different world. So um, kind of, you know, not coming quite to a close here, but let's let's get out of the, the weeds, I guess, of what you do. And how have you done it so long? How have you not burnt out? I mean, I know <laughs> this is something that I I struggle with. So how do you keep going? Yeah, you know, I uh, there was a time that I I talked about the aha moment as the as the thing that I that I did it for. So developers are having that moment when they first use an API that does something cool or that sort of aha moment. I think that my aha moment has maybe changed a little bit now to, uh, to be a little more meta to uh, the aha moment is, uh, is how can I help other people be able to do this sort of story finding that I've done, which I get to do with clients. I get to do with the every developer team. Um, and so it's still that, that aha moment, but it's, uh, it's a, a different aha moment, I think, than, than maybe it used to be. So, um, yeah, so finding, finding those ways to, to get excited about the work that I do, which definitely includes conversations like this. I, I'm sure we'll both, uh, write a couple blog posts after this, this is, uh, after this call's over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually finding some, I mean, breaking changes is, is kind of become my new creative uh, drive. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeking people out, trying to find ways of, yeah. of driving my storytelling through this, using this as a vehicle. Um, but it, it, I'm finding balance with the Zoom conversations in this. I would say 
And but I'm really itching to get come back to Portland and hang out with you proper, and you know, and 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 I just there's something that you can't replace with that. I mean, yeah. And it's why I would say that's why I was able to get this show off the ground using my Rolodex of friends because I've hung out with y'all in so many cities and talked and at different companies that you've worked at, and um, you know that that I think have made a difference in in our careers. So people, you know. Do you, what recommendations do you have for people that are looking to get into uh, what you do, creating meaningful content for for companies, either as a job or as a freelancer? What where do you get started? How do you what do you do? Well, the, yeah, the great thing is that anyone can publish content on the internet. It's it's easier than ever, and so uh, I mean, I think starting to starting to look for those stories and, and telling them wherever you can. And so, uh, yeah, so that could be your, your own dev two blog or medium or your own site. Um, and, uh, and that then looking for the, I mean, look for the companies that you respect and get excited about. And, uh, I know everyone, uh, everyone listening to this that represents a company would be super stoked if, there was a post that someone wrote that uh, was positive about their about their company and dug into one little uh, area and one little story, and so I think that you can certainly uh, gain attention uh, that way from from those that you want to work with, um, and uh, all the while kind of working on that on that muscle of uh, of finding the story and uh, and telling people why something's important. Uh, that, that reminds me of <clears throat> back when I was first trying to find my voice and, and, and writing story after story and no one cared. You know, I was like, and I was trying to get on Hacker News and no one cared. And I'm trying to, you know, Twitter, one retweet, you know, at the most. And then I remember John Musser, who founded Programmable Web, ping me on LinkedIn was like, Hey, I like your storytelling. You, you know, you should do this. You should, you know, Hey, come right and come right for us. And, and then I, he pinged a few other folks and said, Hey, you should read this. You should read this. And I remember Daniel from Netflix was like tweeted something out and then it just kind of ratcheted up from there. It was just doing it long enough until you found the right voice and, and captured someone's attention that mattered that was kind of an, an amplifier or a, a maven in the space to a certain degree. And you, you can do it, you can get folks attention. So, and then, and writing books on mapping. I mean, I think that that's a, that's a great way to do it. Do you still have, you still have a copy of that book? Is it still I, I have, there I have, book? I believe the last four copies in the world uh, <laughs> on my shelf back there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was huge. I mean, Google maps was like one of the main reasons that, I got into APIs because it's one of those like I'd never be able to build this API like and it's super critical part of much of the web and much yeah. of build. Yeah, and I mean we take for granted now that that everything that has a location attached we can now view uh, not only on a map but in relation to where we are, and that was not always the case, right? And so that's yeah. uh, those are some of the tools that uh, yeah that that give everyone the ability to do that now. So if you, if you had all the funding in the world, like if you had someone walked up and you said, Hey, we got a million dollars for you. Would you still build up every developer like you, like you're building, or is there something that you would do different? That's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would, the things that I am am searching for are the the ways to be able to help more people do this the the right way, and so uh, so I would look for some way to be able to do that uh, even more so. And whether that is more people or uh, or more software or some <laughs> some combination, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, uh, but it still would boil down to the the same sort of approach that can happen kind of uh, 
one uh one blog post and <laughs> guide and tutorial at a time and so yeah, i know that would still be the output whether uh whether that would be us writing those or uh really enabling a larger community to to write those i'm not sure but uh yeah uh it's i'll i'll have to think some more on it yeah yeah i mean i would i would from what i heard is same outcomes just you know you would try to figure out how to expand that reach and try to figure yeah. out i mean i see ted talks you know i see you pacing back and forth on stage with a microphone you know in front of large audiences you know i see uh you know things like that so um to close on what what's the impact that you've made on the space i mean i feel like you're one of the i don't want to say dinosaurs grandfather sounds too weird um you've been doing it a while well you know you're you're you definitely making dragnet references yeah (laughs) you're making dragnet (laughs) references so yes yes okay all right you're you know um what impact have, what have you left? I know you made your mark on me and my career and how I write and do things because I've read so much of your work and I've listened to so many of your talks at, at my conferences and various things. But what do you feel like? What, what, do you, what have you left and, and are going to continue leaving? Yeah, well, I, I hope that it's, uh, that it's like to me, the this concept, the developer marketing does not exist is really about saying, pretend like it doesn't exist because with if you take that away what you have left is is this really genuine approach to helping people uh and inspire them to do what they want to do next so i hope that that the impact is that that people see that that approach is actually the more successful route than than the sort of direct promotion kind of kind of route. So I hope that uh, that what I'll see eventually is that at the very least, every dev first company comes at it with this approach because it's the way that they'll be successful. Um, and and then perhaps the uh, at the next level is the developer enabled companies, which are the the many that have APIs, but maybe developers aren't their primary audience. But I think there's still something for them to learn about this too. But let's let's reach the dev first companies first, and then and then we'll go from there. Yeah, no, I think I mean, for me, your book really just kind of brings it front and center for folks. Like closes that gap, makes it makes it so that people think about what what matters, and. I don't know, not that, you know, I don't want to push back on marketing because there's a lot of like marketing's essential, but there's a, there's, especially in tech, we can, we allow it to kind of disconnect us from our users. And I think the product, as I said, helps keep us aligned, but developer relations and actually talking and having those meaningful relationships. And so I think your book does a good job of, I think, kind of closing that gap, but as I said, connecting it with a storytelling kind of approach, because that's really with the right feedback loop, that's that's where you're going to make the difference. And that's, I would say, that's your contribution to the space that I've seen is you've always had this, um, I don't know, it's, it's a Portland thing, so I'm from Oregon, so, but like, this is a nice guy, Portland persona, that's like super knowledgeable, super deep, able to go down the technical holes but elevate to the business and you're just a super nice guy. And I think you're taller than me too, which which <laughs> kind of makes it a little, little weird because you're like really big. And, but then you're also super nice, but you have this kind of genuine approach to how you do things. And I modeled a part of my shtick. I went a slight different road, but I, you know, I kind of borrowed some of those nice guys, like genuine approach. And I would say Musser had that as well. There and and this came out not just in your guys' writing, but you guys on stage. And that that was why I always had you know brought you to the conferences that we do, both of you. And then you're here on my show helping kick things off is because just because of that genuine approach. And that's that's your mark. I would say that's how you don't burn out. That's how you do this well. You know that's that would be my advice to everyone, kind of building on what you know the the impression you leave. So. 
Um, with that said, the book is <laughs> Developer Marketing Does Not Exist. Um, you can follow Adam Devander, everydeveloper.com. You can follow him on Twitter. He's pretty easy to find. Um, thank you, sir. This has been fun. Yeah, and, and thanks so much for the kind words and, and for having me on. No, anytime. You know, I'll keep banging on your door and we'll keep scratching each other's back in this game and, and see what we can keep building. I, I feel like... Um, I won't reveal other shows that are going to happen where we're going to talk about, but other folks that you and I have hung out with, like, I feel like we're just getting going. There's kind of a new wave of the space happening. And what we've done so far has kind of been the trial period, you know, and uh, we've done a lot and we made an impact. So anyways, there'll be a lot more of this, I think is what I'm trying to say. So thank you. That's great. Yeah. Thanks. All right. <laughs>